Jazz Heads Radio, brought to you in conjunction with Wakefield Jazz. We ask people who are passionate about music to play 10 tracks that they think everyone should hear. Welcome to another episode of Jazz Heads. Uh, we're interviewing people who are passionate about their music and we're asking them to pick 10 tracks that they think everyone should hear. We're starting with people involved with Wakefield Jazz, a wonderful little jazz club in Yorkshire. And this evening, we're welcoming back Jim Whitman. Jim writes the reviews of all the gigs at the club. In fact, if you want to check any of them out, just visit the Wakefield Jazz website. So, Jim, last time you gave us uh, Daffa Yusuf and the Bullaway Church Choir, uh, you gave us quite an eclectic collection, uh, and you've picked another 10 tracks for us. How have you selected these tracks? Well, I could have done it on any number of bases. Uh, I could have done it chronologically, that is the history of jazz. I could have done it by, by schools of jazz or, or styles of playing or by instrument. But in the end, I decided I'd, I'd rather do it by mood. And I, I think it's, it, it's very revealing to hear jazz tagged by mood because it, it gives a, a real insight into the variety of jazz. So uh, that was that was the basis. So just one or two word descriptors. And as things came into my mind, I made another choice. Great. So what's the first track? Well, the first track, the tag for it, the, the mood of it is joy. And this is the Keith Jarrett trio playing live, doing that oldest of old chestnuts, Honeysuckle Rose. And it takes real skill to invest vitality and interest and indeed in this case joy and this is utterly delightful Thank you. 
Well, uh, you can't hear that track without smiling. It was utterly joyful. Yes, it was, yeah. That's great. <laughs> and, uh, Jim, the next theme, I believe, is passion. Yes. Um, the varieties of passion are, uh, that, that can be expressed in music are countless, of course. Uh, indeed, even within jazz, they're countless. So this isn't meant to be an exemplar or, or the pinnacle. It's just something that's lodged in me. And as, a, as, a, as an instance of passionate expression, I think it's very effective. I think one of the ways in which it works is the, 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 the pianist's background. This is Robin Holcomb. Uh, provides some very, very simple piano chords. It's, a, it's an ever such a simple motif over which the alto player, Marty Ehrlich, uh, conceives and performs a, a truly um, passionate solo. <laughs>
Well, Jim, I know that the next track that you've selected is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I know described as minimalist, but I think a little bit funky too, perhaps. Yes, it is. Uh, I think one of the fascinations about listening to improvising musicians is that they can make really quite dynamic, punchy music with practically any resources, and in, in, that includes minimal resources. And what's unusual about this, it's not, say, piano and saxophone, it's drums and a 12-string acoustic guitar, which doesn't sound very promising, but have a listen. Track. Isn't it great? Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. In fact, we just have that one again. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> OK, maybe not. Um, so what do you have for us now, Jim? A blues. Uh, jazz is never a million miles away from, from blues, whatever style uh, people are playing in. And to get a feel for the, for the blues in jazz, I've chosen uh, Jessica Williams. And the thing to listen for here, well, the thing you can scarcely avoid is her big, powerful left hand.
the left hand. Yes, I mean, in in jazz uh, and particularly in the blues, um, the the strength of the piece, the bluesiness of the piece, is carried by the left hand. And in in most jazz pianism, one of the things to watch for and or to listen for is the way in which the work is divided between the left hand and the right hand. Um, it's quite surprising. It's not as simple. Once you once you get up into into really quite accomplished levels of musicianship, it's not as simple as a the left hand playing the chords and the right hand playing the melody. And the ways in which musicians find to combine those two tasks are really part of the fascination of improvised music. So we have something that's well from blues to sheer exuberance next. Oh yeah, this is. Um, Arthur Blythe uh, on a tune called Down San Diego Way. It's been said of the recording from which this has come, Lenox Avenue Breakdown, that it, it is sufficient on its own to redeem the 1970s. <laughs> Whether or not that's the case, I don't know, but Arthur Blythe blows himself inside out on this. He's on alto, and it's astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, musicians get their inspiration uh, from all over the place. And uh, I know the next couple of tracks that you've picked uh, take their inspiration from two very, very different places. That's right. Uh, there's more to jazz than the Great American Songbook. And I think imaginative, improvising musicians will, will make music from anything. I mean, some of the best ones can, can improvise on, on really very simple motifs, just a couple of notes, say, or, or just a, a simple chord sequence. But they also range far and wide looking for compelling tunes because for any serious musician, for anyone who truly loves music, music is indivisible. So this first one is uh, a, a musician, a saxophone player called Peter Epstein. And here he is playing in a, in a beautiful acoustic of an Italian church, playing a theme from Verdi's La Forza del Destino, The Force of Destiny. And this is an, a, a true improvisation, and it's, it's really quite beautiful. I was in an, in an audience of a thousand people listening to that. It was uh, really beautiful and sad and atmospheric. Um, Nicely described. 
<laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> well, I like to do the occasional yeah. description just to share it, share it a little. <laughs> the uh, the next one I I believe is um, well, is a little bit different. A little different, and um, in two senses. This is a, a the great Italian uh, trumpeter Enrico Rava with a big band, and the source of his inspiration on this occasion is Michael Jackson. This is this is Jackson's thriller. Thank you. 
Well, I felt like I was in uh, an audience of a thousand very drunken people <laughs> for, that, for that one. <laughs> or an ending, eh? <laughs> Wasn't it just... I love it how it just all totally fell apart and then they just whipped it back together just to show that they were still totally <laughs> yeah, tight and good. <laughs> and uh, a big change here again, uh, something that's uh, really exquisite. That was the word. Uh, this is What'll I Do? And it's played by Warren Vachet on cornet, I think, and Bill Carlap on piano. And it's completely unadorned. And um, they managed to, to, to convey the, the undertow of sadness in the tune, but without tripping into sentimentality. And I think that's the, the source of what it is that makes this so exquisite to listen to. And it's, it's a beautiful tune. something really soulful to follow up on that one uh jim and i also know that actually you've got 40 different versions of this particular track and you've extracted your personal favorite yes it's it's difficult to i think for any contemporary musician to do body and soul because it's it's so well covered 
And expectations are always really very high on this one because it's essentially, a, or it's come to be, a, a vehicle for um, saxophone ex- expressiveness in, in tenor saxophone at its at its peak. So it requires a, a really interesting combination of muscular technique and a, a soulful disposition. And I think Joe Lovano's got exactly the right two qualities he needs to deliver a a classic version of a classic tune.
perspective. <laughs> the dogs, yeah. Oh, nice. And uh, and on to the last track now, Jim. Um, I'm afraid that's it. There's only ten tracks allowed, um, but I know you're going to take us out with something that is just ridiculously uplifting and joyful and celebratory. <laughs> well, indeed, I had thought of ending on a a contemplative, quiet note. I thought, no, no, <laughs> that'll never do. This is Charles Mingus, and the tune is called Better Get It In Your Soul. And it's a it's a jazz take on a revivalist prayer meeting. And it's so it's 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 rousing and raucous and utterly delightful. <laughs> Just uh, anyway, it's been it's been a real pleasure uh, reviewing these with you. Thank you. That's great. No, no, thanks a lot, Jim. And uh, I know this is the second episode you, uh, you've done with us, but uh, I think there's going to be... Well, you've got a pretty big collection, really, actually. You've got a lot of really interesting stuff to <laughs> say about a, it. So The size of the collection is a bit of an embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be going on for well, probably a few years, actually. So uh, we'll be welcome back Always many, many times. Always a pleasure. Mm-hmm.